Well, good morning again. So it's good to see all of you. I hope uh, Christmas was fantastic and wonderful for you, and it was blessing for all of you. It was for me. So before we get into today's word, let me pray for us and open our time. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for uh, being with us this morning, and I pray that you would continue to bless us, watch over us, and may our time together be pleasing to you. And as I pray, um, each time I share about your word, may you help us to understand what you want us to understand. Help us to see, hear, and experience what you want us to do this morning. So I thank you, Lord, for the transformation power of your word, and may that happen this morning. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk about something that is one of my favorite things, and that's breakfast. I mean, if you were here with us last week, we had a breakfast brunch, and that was a special treat for a lot of us to have. Because a lot of times, if your life is like mine, it's so busy and I'm always in a rush that usually I don't have time for breakfast. I'm lucky if I get maybe a a toast, a piece of toast, or I grab an energy bar, and that's what's my breakfast on a usual uh, work day. But breakfast for me is a special time because if I have leisurely time, I love to sit down and just enjoy a great meal because it brings up memories of me growing up when my mother would prepare for me breakfast before going to school. It would be either a soft-boiled egg or a hot dog, um, some unusual things in my family, but that was breakfast for me. And, and f- that's a tradition that I enjoy continuing with my own family. I mean, breakfast is just amazing, right? When you have time on weekends, especially when you have those special breakfasts, you can have pancakes and waffles and French toast. And of course, there's always a variety of eggs, whether they're hard-boiled, soft-boiled, poached, uh, scrambled, over easy, sunny side up, and you can't forget omelets. And of course, there's always the savory things like bacon, ham, and of course, spam, right? So that's breakfast. And breakfast is so good, you can have it any time of the day, right? You can have it in the morning, afternoon. And I'm sure some of you are like me, that you can have breakfast for dinner. That happens. And that's a treat. Because breakfast is just something that we all enjoy, and I do for sure. Now, you're wondering, where am I going with this, this theme of breakfast? Well, this is, what is it, December 30th? It's the end of the year. And it's often a time where we, we kind of take a moment to reflect, to look back, to look forward. We make resolutions to see if there are certain changes or adjustments in our life that we need to make. Because it's good to have a goal of continuing always to grow, to be better people. And that's what we do, is just take a moment just to reflect on how we are doing and how we can improve ourselves. And that's what we do at this time of year. And so that's why I chose a particular passage from the Bible that that will kind of help us. It's the last chapter of John in the book of John. And it has in there three things that, that... that are very important in my life, and I hope maybe these three things will resonate with you. And they all happen in the context of a breakfast. It's a breakfast with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 
chapter 21 of the book of John, where the disciples are having breakfast with Jesus. And I'm going to begin reading that to you right now, starting with verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called a twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing, they said to him. We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled a net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And that's the word of the Lord. This uh, passage is the third appearance of Jesus to his disciples after the resurrection. And, and this is a time he wanted to share some of his uh, important things he wanted the, the, the disciples to remember before, going, for, before Jesus going back to heaven. And it's an opportunity for him to just to share what's on his heart, just to remind them of who the disciples were and what they were called to do. And so as we approach the new year, I want us to take this story as a prompting for ourselves to realize who we are in Christ and also what God has called us to do for him and to make renewed commitments for ourselves as individuals and as a church as a whole. So let's look back to look forward. And there are for me three things I want us to try to remember and to focus on. And that's being faith, family, and food. These are three things that are important in my life. And I hope these three things also resonate with you. Your faith, your family, and food. And so the first thing that's important for me, and it should be for all of us, is our faith. And we just sang a song, right, about Jesus being the cornerstone. That our faith is, has the foundation of Jesus. And it must be Jesus. And, and this points to us to realize in our own lives how well are we doing in our relationship with Jesus. Are we spending time with him? Is he 
the first love in our life. And that's what, what Jesus wanted to, to remind the, the, the uh, disciples in this breakfast with him. He was saying, without me, you cannot do anything. There's a word that we call this. Uh, it's an old word. It's called abide, to abide in him. And Jesus says, without me, you cannot do anything. And that was a lesson he wanted to teach and remind the disciples at this time. The word abide comes the word abode, meaning dwelling. So when we say to abide in him, it means that we want to live with Jesus, live in Jesus, and Jesus in us. In the passage, it says in, in verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And this is kind of interesting because essentially uh, the scripture is telling us that the disciples were going back to their ordinary lives. You know, for three years they were hanging around Jesus and, and experiencing amazing things. But when Jesus was uh, resurrected and, 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 and was ready to return to heaven, the disciples were kind of wrestling, what are they going to do with themselves while Jesus is gone? And so here Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. And essentially that's a great thing to do. I don't know if any of you are fishermen. I love to fish, so I could stop my message here and that our calling is to go fishing. But, that's, but more to the point is Peter is essentially saying, I'm just going to go back to my ordinary life. And that's what our faith is about. It's not something that we're supposed to go necessarily go on some special um, trip or mission. We're just supposed to live our faith in our ordinary lives. And for Peter whose profession was to fish, he was going to go back and do that. And a lot of other disciples said, we'll join you. And these are not leisurely fishermen. These are experienced professional fishermen. And they went fishing that night. And knowing all, this, all the tricks and all the skill and knowledge of fishing, they couldn't catch anything. And you can imagine they were kind of disappointed, discouraged, tired because it's hard work and they're wondering what are we going to do and this is where the scripture tells us that Jesus joined them on the shore and Jesus said to them children do you have any fish and they answered him no and he said to them cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some so they did cast and their nets were full and that's kind of an interesting uh, thing that Jesus is instructing the, the disciples again. Because do you recall anywhere else in, 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 in the Gospels about Jesus that this happened before? The disciples were beginning to tr be triggered with a memory that this happened at the calling of the first disciples. We see this in Luke 5 where Jesus comes to Peter. And his brother Andrew. And there's, does the same with James and John. And there he calls them to be fishers of men. But he tells them the same thing. Cast your nets and you will catch fish. And that same story earlier at their first calling. They weren't catching anything. But Jesus with his instruction of telling them where to fish. 
their nets were full. And this is something Jesus wanted to, to remind them. When he called them to be fishers of men, he, were com- he commissioned them to be his followers. And then here in chapter 21, at the end of his ministry here on earth, he's telling and reminding the disciples, he's recommissioning them that you are to be fishers of men. And that without me, your nets will be empty. But with me, your nets will be full. It's a very clear illustration of what it means to abide in Jesus. With him, we will have fruitfulness. Without him, we will be barren. Although the disciples went back to their ordinary lives, they now could do extraordinary things as long as they remembered to include Jesus. Without Jesus, it would be hopeless. With Jesus, there would be great hope. So this is a a question for us to reflect on where we are in our faith. Are we abiding in Jesus on a regular basis? Because the lesson here is Jesus is telling us that without me, you will not be fruitful. But with me, you will be. Remember, Jesus is your Lord, so abide in him to be fruitful. Now, the second thing from this passage, which uh, helps us to focus on something in our lives, is about family. And we see this concept of family from verse 5, where it says, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Now, that's an interesting thing for Jesus to say, right? If you're a grown man... And, and, and another man says, children, do you have any fish? That's a kind of an interesting address that, that you would, would encounter. But Jesus is being purposeful here. In the sense that word children is a word of, of affection, of, of love and tenderness. And so Jesus is telling them that, telling his disciples that he is like, a loving father to, to their children, to his children, implying that they are a spiritual family. That they are family. And that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's something that, that as, as a church community, we all hope for, that we would be family to one another. That, as I said, like being brothers and sisters in Christ. That we experience that in our church culture here, right? A lot of us call each, uh, the kids call all, all of you uncles and aunties. I mean, that's, that's an a, a address of affection and, and of love, and that's the kind of community that we want to cu- cultivate. And Jesus is saying that's, that's a good thing, that, that we, uh, once we become part of the faith and become part of a church community, that we should be all family. And we should love and care for one another just like we care for our own families. And so this is a, something I want to also cl- kind of make clarify here. I'm not saying that um, the church family or the spiritual family is more important than our biological family. I mean, Jesus did say in Matthew 12, 48 to 50, he's, he was um, teaching his his disciples and, and his mother and his brothers were waiting outside to see, uh, see and talk to him. 
And he was informed of this. And Jesus pointed to his, his disciples and said, you are my mother and my brothers. So he was affirming that, that following him would be uh, being part of his family. So that there is a, the concept of a spiritual family. But I want to also point out that Jesus is not saying that spiritual family is more important than biological family. They actually should be both equally important. Because there is scripture clearly stating, and Jesus taught on this too, is that we are to honor our parents. We are to not exasperate our children. And we are to care for our families because even heathens care for their families. So those are concepts that biological family, spiritual family. So I think what Jesus is trying to say here or emphasize by calling his disciples children is that sometimes we actually treat our own biological family better than we take care of our spiritual family. That a lot of times our relationships in our church community are very superficial. They don't go very deep. They're not very intimate or caring or loving in the same way that we care for our own children or parents or siblings in our biological family. So God calls us to re-examine how we treat one another in the church and to see if we actually put it at the same level, commitment, sacrifice that we do with our own biological family. So part of, of what Jesus is, is trying to intimate to his disciples by calling them children is that part of being a faith community is that we are also a spiritual family. And that we are then to love one another in a way that is deeply affectionate and deeply meaningful. To... to to illustrate this, because to be able to love like that is not an easy thing to do. It's kind of messy. Because I know all of us have our own biological families for got some sort of dysfunctionality in there. And, and, and we all struggle just to, to get along even within our biological family. And then to be able to engage with one another just like we do with our own um, human families, our natural families, in the spiritual family, how can we do that? But I want to kind of illustrate uh, what kind of a love that I'm talking about. Uh, one of the things I, I like to do, especially with my children who are grown now, we, we don't often get to see each other physically because they're out of state now, continuing their, their education. And during the holidays, especially for Christmas, uh, the New Year's, they come back. And so... We're at a point where we don't really exchange gifts anymore. So what we do is that we enjoy one of our great pastimes is to eat. So we go out to have great food. And we did that this past week on Wednesday. Uh, and we went out to have dinner at a very nice restaurant. But what I enjoy most is not just the food. And now that my children are adult, adults, it's, it's the great conversation. It's almost now that they have risen to be almost like my peers and that we do have very uh, deep conversations. And in and, and many ways, they have permission to speak into my life, that they hold me accountable for many things. 
And, and that's kind of a cool thing as a parent to see things that I have hopefully uh, shared with them and taught them that they now are able to, to, to implement and utilize back to me, for me. And so I wanted to take this, that, this opportunity to, uh, this last time to um, talk to my kids and, and share something that has been uh, something that's been weighing on my heart. And, and some of it is mainly because I'm not getting any younger. Uh, and, and who knows, I have had some good friends, unfortunately, pass away at a very early age earlier than, than you would expect. And so I didn't want to lose an opportunity to, to speak to my children because you never know what tomorrow may bring. And so I wanted to, to share with them, and I asked um, um, at a moment of seriousness in our conversation that I said, um, you know, I've been a, I told them, I told, I've been a tough dad at times. And, um, and I possibly, and I know I did probably, and I know I have said things that were hurtful and, and did things that, that, that caused you to be um, uh, discouraged. And so I asked for their forgiveness for any words or actions that may have hurt them. And so I think my kids were a little uh, shocked that I would bring it up because it's not something you generally bring over a table conversation. But I wanted to make that, that take that opportunity to ask for their forgiveness and apologize for things that, that I, I may have said in the past. And, and my son, um, he paused and, and he said something to me, which at first I thought uh, I was, might have been a little offended by what he said. He said, you know, Dad, I've been kind of processing what I would say at your funeral. And so I'm thinking, he's already thinking about me dying. <laughs> But, but he, he said, no, he said, a lot of my friends, their, their parents are passing away. And so it struck me as to what I would say to you. And so they, my son said, um, the one thing I would say uh, for sure is that I uh, feel privileged and honored that I could see how God has changed your life all through these years, that you are now a much better dad than when I, was a, when I was a little kid. And so for me, that was really, really touching to be affirmed by my son in that way. And that, you know, a lot of times I'm not self-aware as to who I am. And it's great to have someone, especially my own son, who's lived his entire life with me, that he has seen changes in me, and he said that God has done a great work in you. So that was something that I was blessed by this past Wednesday. And then my daughter, who is more contemplative and more meditative, said, yeah, this past Thanksgiving, as part of her, her journaling, she wanted to write down something she was thankful for. And, and she shared about her mother, Terry. She said that some things that I learned from you is compassion and humility. And then he, she said to, to me, first she said, I forgive you, Dad. Because if anyone, she, she gave me a lot of trouble growing up. But, but she said, um, I forgive you, Dad. And the things I learned from you is that I learned uh, wisdom and also integrity. And so if you haven't done that, I encourage you to think about having those moments with your own family. Um, 
but it started for me uh, by being vulnerable, by sharing that I, I admitted doing terrible things that, and said terrible things to them which were hurtful. But that's the kind of love, that's the kind of affection that should happen in a family. And Jesus is pointing that in the church, we are a spiritual family. And we should have those kinds of uh, relationships that, that are meaningful and that are intimate. So as you reflect on your relationships, how are you doing? What do you want to experience? And are you willing to do what it takes to achieve, to achieve it? Because to have loving family kind of relationships is not easy. It's messy. It's painful. And we can't sometimes do these things. Because what I did on Wednesday, for sure, 30-something years ago, I probably wouldn't have the, the humility to be able to do that and say that with my own kids. Because I've been told that I'm a very intimidating and a scary person. And that's what my kids have lived with all their lives. But God has transformed me in a way I hope that that is better. And I'm challenging you, that can't be, the things that we want to have in our relationships with people can't be done without the help of God. And that's what Jesus is important to be part of our lives. So ask for his help if for you, if that's the kind of love you want to, to share with others and the kind of love you want to receive. And that's what families do. Finally, the last area of focus for our lives that I see in this passage with this breakfast with Jesus is, of course, you can't leave this out, it's food. I mean, this is, for me, one of the, the, the great things about this passage is that there's food. And thematically, Jesus uses food a lot. I mean, it's, so it's kind of a great thing to, to, to appreciate. I mean, one of his first miracles is with wine. And then when he's feeding the, the 3,000 and the 5,000, it involves bread and fish. And he asks us at the Lord's, when he was having his um, last meal with his disciples in the upper room, he tells them to remember him through bread and wine. And we celebrate that. Food is a big theme with Jesus. And it's not there just as... Um, an extra attachment to, to concepts, but I think it's an important thing that Jesus is emphasizing for us to remember. Food is important. And verse 9, it says, When they got out on, on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon and Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I mean, you're reading the Bible about all kinds of stuff, and here it says those words, come and have breakfast. That's a wonderful invitation. Just to kind of conjure thoughts for you of what that experience was for those disciples with Jesus, I want to show you this, this video clip real quick.
So that was only like four or five seconds. But if it did the trick, a lot of you are already salivating. <laughs> that was uh, Christmas Eve. I was cooking dinner for, for my uh, in-laws, and my father-in-law wanted filet mignon. And so I did, did what he asked me, and so I was cooking. And as soon as I started searing the meat, the, the entire family all gathered in a kitchen just to watch. <laughs> it's one of those weird things. And one of my brother-in-laws said, boy, that smells good. But that's what food does, right? Especially sizzling meat. And that's what, what Jesus is doing here, is he's creating a memory with his disciples. I mean, he's, he's got charcoal, and we all know what charcoal smells like. But he's grilling fish. And the disciples are smelling that, and, and, and they're coming ashore to be welcomed by a breakfast. And that's a cool thing, because a lot of us could, could, could relate to that. I mean, there, are, there are wonderful mornings where you're under the covers, and it's nice and warm, but then you hear in the kitchen sizzling bacon or coffee brewing or the warm, sweet smell of cinnamon rolls in the oven. Those are things that conjure up great memories and feelings. And Jesus is doing that here with his disciples because he's triggering, triggering, triggering um, thoughts of their past encounters, of when Jesus was in their life. And it's with this he's connecting some important principles for his, his disciples to remember. Having meals together is a great way to promote relational bonding. And, and at the workplace, uh, my, my cousin is a CFO of a biotech company. And he was seeing a lot of his, his workers were going out to eat. And his CEO told him, how can we kind of be more efficient, more effective? Because a lot of them will go out to eat for lunch, and they would waste time. So my cousin said, why don't we just have catered meals? at the workplace. And so they would have great meals. I mean, a lot of the companies are doing that, like Google, Facebook, right? They do that. But as soon as they had implemented that policy, it cost more for the company to pay for it, but their productivity and morale rose. Just a, a good observation that having meals together is a good thing. Our staff our church staff is starting to do that. On Tuesdays, we have now decided, we used to go out to them, but now we have lunch together, and, and each one of us um, kind of volunteers to take care of lunch, and so we have meals together. And it's a great time where we can relate, because having meals together is very relational. And that is what Jesus is telling his, his, his disciples. Have meals together to, to learn about each other, share about each, your time together over a meal. And what Jesus is modeling, which is even more important here, is servant leadership. He's serving his, his disciples like a chef. And this is to trigger, again, another moment that the disciples had already experienced with him. If you recall, remember in that upper room, at that last meal that he had with his disciples, Jesus went on the floor on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. He served them. 
Jesus is Lord, but he is a servant leader. And here, just about before he leaves, he's serving them breakfast, which is a really cool thing. And it's creating a memory and an important leadership principle for us is that we are to serve others. And so the disciples are being reminded that here by Jesus. Jesus is definitely God. He is Lord, but lordship includes fellowship. Jesus is being relational with his disciples through a meal. Therefore, following his lead, we should be relational people to others too. And in many cultures, food is an expression of love and care, right? I know in my own family, my mother would always ask me, not, hi, how are you doing? She would say, have you eaten yet? And that is the common uh, greeting for many cultures, is have you eaten yet? Because that is an expression of caring and of love. So why be relational? Why is Jesus, through food, saying we should be relational with other people? Two purposes. One, for outreach and evangelism, to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And the second one is for discipleship. And we get a kind of hint of these two purposes by the, the disciples catching fish. Kind of interesting observation here. There says 153 fish. They're not quite sure. People, scholars are not sure why the specific number of 153. But that's a lot of fish. If that's about one to two pounds, that's almost 300-something pounds of fish. And there's some, something interesting. I made this an aside, but uh, the net wasn't torn. Right? It said in this particular passage, the net was not torn with the 153 fish. And, and it, in this passage, the disciples as a group dragged the, the net full of fish. That's 300-something pounds of fish. So that's, that's quite heavy for one individual. But later in the passage, Peter actually does it by himself. That means he's actually one strong dude, or, or actually what he's pointing to is that with Jesus present, as an individual, you can do amazing things. So without Jesus, you can't lift the 300 pounds, but with it, you can. So a little bit aside there. But, but here to note, there are two purposes for, for us that God calls us, that Jesus calls us. In the earlier story, I, I mentioned in Luke 5 about the, 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 the disciples catching fish. In that, that story, the net was torn. There was a lot of fish. There was so much fish that it tore the nets. In this story, the nets were not torn. What's the difference? In the first one, where he was calling his disciples to be fishers of men, in Luke 5, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's calling them to evangelism, to, to reach other people for the gospel. The nets are torn, meaning that there are going to be a lot of people coming, but some of them will not make that commitment, that some of the fish will be lost. And that's the case with evangelism. You share the gospel. A lot of people may be interested, attracted by it. They'll come, but they won't truly make that commitment. So Jesus is calling them, go and do evangelism. Cast your nets. But also, casting nets in the second 
second example here in John 21, where the nets do not break, he's talking about discipleship. That the fish that are in the church community that have made that true commitment to follow Jesus, to be his disciples, the net will not be broken, meaning you will not be lost. Once you are into the family of God, God has you in his hand, and he will not let you go. It's the story that, that the lost coin, the lost sheep, God will go after that one that's out there. So once you've made that true commitment, and that's what he's telling his disciples through this example, the nets won't be torn, to be shepherds and pastors of the followers that you are to care for. So the dual, the dual role that we as Christians are called to be, followers of Jesus, to evangelize and to disciple. We may lose some when we evangelize, but when we disciple those who are truly committed, they will not be lost. Jesus offers us fellowship, so do likewise and be hospitable to others. Whether sharing about Jesus or for spiritual growth, do it over food. Because food is a great tool to bring relationships together. Um, I, I remember a story uh, when we were doing the eye screening of a Muslim family that our partner church was trying to reach out to. And, and they would kind of try to contact them and they just wouldn't have anything with the Christian, with the Christian church. But when we had the eye screening, uh, that Muslim family came and they saw uh, Christians in action and sharing uh, God's love to them in a tangible way through getting glasses. That after that, that affected them so much that they um, brought food to the pastors of our partner church. And, And that was a sign of intimacy, of having table fellowship with other people. And that's what, what I'm, I'm encouraging all of us to do is to think about how we can uh, relate to others through meals. And, and the three th- areas that I, I, I've called us to, to, to try to um, focus in in the coming year is those three, three, three Fs. They happen to all start with F. Faith, our faith, our family, and, and food. And the best way I thought that could be a way to regularly remind us of these three areas is when we say grace, when we give a blessing to the meal that we have every day. Because I know we all eat. So either you eat by yourself or you eat with others. But at those times, it's a great time to just simply do a blessing over the food. You can do it silently or out loud. Better if you can do it out loud, especially when there's others there. Because it's a great witness and a great way of sharing about Jesus. I mean, this past um, week at, at our family gatherings, a lot of my relatives are, and Terry's relatives are not followers. But it's an opportunity they allow us to say grace. And in that very simple act are some things that are not so simple. Sharing about God and sharing about Jesus in these particular three ways. Because by giving thanks to Jesus, we are acknowledging his lordship. 
that he is primary in our lives. And that's what our faith is about, that it's anchored in Jesus. And we point to him when we have food. And when we, we share about Jesus among our family, it points out that, that that's usually who we have meals with, it, people we would consider own family members. And that's an opportunity to remember that family is important and how are we doing in our relationships. And then the final area of food, obviously you're giving thanks for food, so that's a, a real easy connector to what food is. But what it means is that Jesus is our sustenance, that not only we have physical food, but we also have spiritual food, that Jesus, who we are thanking, gives us his love and his provision. And that's why giving grace at those times is an opportunity to be reminded of that fact, of three things, faith, family, and food. Sharing is, is caring. So share about our faith. Share about our families. Share about our food. I mean, those are the three things that align with our mission here at Christian Lehman Church. Love God means our, about our faith. Our faith should be important. Loving people. Treating one another like family is a model that is worthy to follow. And then how are we to serve the world? I think it is provide food, whether it's tangible food or spiritual food. Those are things that, that, that will be practical in, in serving the world. I hope that, uh, that you would take the time to reflect on, on, on what has happened this past year for you all and in, in the coming year that you would Truly be diligent and make adjustments, even if they're minor ones, just to be better followers of Jesus Christ and in a way that reflects breakfast with Jesus. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for um, just this time, a reminder of how important you are in our lives, that you love us so much, that you provide us with so many things. And sometimes in, when the difficulties of life, life can be hard. It can be discouraging and painful. But you remind us from this story that we uh, would be nothing and can be nothing. We will be barren without your son, Jesus. So may we remember to include Jesus in our lives, to abide in him, as the word says, to have him live in us and us in him so that we may be fruitful and fulfilled. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.